Radio TFS, episode number three, Team Foundation Server Power Tools. Today, we have Paul Hacker joining me on the line, Mickey Gousset, and myself, Martin Woodward. Hi, guys. How are you all doing? Doing good, Martin. How are you today? Very good, thank you. Hey, Martin. It's Mickey. Woohoo! Hey, Mickey. So that's Paul Hacker from TFSTimes.com, Mickey Gousset from www.teamsystemrocks.com, and myself, Martin Woodward from www.woodwardweb.com. So what are we going to talk about this week, guys? Team Foundation Server Power Tools, 2008. But before we do that, I want to, to mention a couple other things for, for our listeners out there. Again, if you want to give us some feedback, you can you can hit us up at radiotfs at gmail.com. Our, our feed for this podcast is at feeds.feedburner.com slash radiotfs. And if I'm not mistaken, do we not now have a website? Yeah. Yes, we do. <laughs> It's not very pretty looking. Hey, it works. I saw it. It's better than what I would do. <laughs> and, and and just what exactly would that website name be? That would be www.radiotfs.com, Mickey. Or .net or .org. I think Paul went crazy in his domain name. Buying. Or .info. <laughs> info. Who wants a .info domain name? <laughs> uh, I just figured it was there. I'll buy it. Uh-huh, I think they threw enough. it in for a buck or something like that. So if you go to that website, um, you can... Um, we've got the, all the episodes listed so far, and um, if you hit the RSS feed, that takes you straight to the FeedBurner feed, so you can copy that in. I've also put in links so you can subscribe via iTunes with one link, or subscribe via Zoom with one link, so uh, hopefully people will find that useful. And you've been busy as well, haven't you, Mickey? Did you set, I think you've been doing some socially networking or something? Oh, just just a little bit. I'm I'm a a I wouldn't say avid Facebook user, but I I enjoy Facebook enough that I that I probably hit it at least daily. And I've created a Radio TFS Facebook group. So if you want to go out there and to Facebook and do a search for the Radio TFS group, or you can go out there and do a search for Mickey Gousset and 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 add me either way. But we'd love for our listeners, if you're using Facebook, to come hit the Facebook group and. And let us, that's just yet another way you can let us know what you think and another way that lets us connect to our listeners. Do we have anybody in the group so far? We have, I think, six people in the group so far. Get in. Which is twice as many people as we got presented. (laughs) That's fantastic. Which is not near as bad. In fact, I'm going to look that up while y'all talk just to confirm. So what have you been up to, Paul, lately? Uh, Me? I'm getting ready, actually, for a slew of uh, events coming up um, with the launch event taking place on the 27th. It's now spreading across uh, the United States, and so I'll be going to multiple multiple launch events throughout the Midwest, Chicago, Columbus, Ohio, Indianapolis, and Louisville, Kentucky. Um, Wow. So I'm getting ready for those, and then, of course, I'm just doing the MVPS, the experts booth, nothing speaking or anything that extravagant. Um, but just to be a part of in, in the MVP um, uh, world is, is really, you know, it's one of those things I feel like as an MVP I should be doing in my community, in mm-hmm. my Midwest district, you know, is showing up for those events and, and being that face um, to to the uh, public, you know, being there to answer questions, help out in any way I can and keep giving back to the community. So that's Definitely. why I, I signed up for all four of them. Cool. I really enjoy the, you know, when you do the Ask the Expert stuff, I've done it at TechEds and things a few times and events, it's, it is, is nothing better. You know, you think you, you worry beforehand because you think, oh, wow, there's so much stuff I don't know. But then when people, people come around and, you know, it's, it's good fun just talking to people and hearing what they're all up to. It's great. 
Yeah, I, I'll agree with you there. The first time I had gone to the, well, I went to the last launch event and I was in the Ask the Experts booth and, and I didn't have nowhere near the experience I have with TFS today. And yet I found that after I was there, most of the questions that came at me, I could answer, uh, probably 60% of them, for example. Uh, so, so I felt a lot better and now having run the user group in Indianapolis, um, and fielding a lot of questions and just been involved with the tool and everybody else in the MVP program. You know, um, I'm not I'm not as worried anymore going in. In fact, I'm really excited about going into the Ask the Experts booth because I feel like I have something to offer more so today than I did in 2005. It's a great thing to point out to people as well if they're going to a show or going to a launch or something that, about what, um, you know, a good resource the Ask the Experts area are because quite often, especially at trade shows and things, Microsoft will staff them with a mixture of people from the product group, people from the local uh, developer evangelism teams and, and you know, MVPs like ourselves with actual you know, real life experience of the product, you know, who tell you how it hopefully how it really is, not 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 just a sales pitch, you know. So uh, it's definitely worth going to even in. I find it a great way as well because a technology that I want to get up to speed too quickly, rather than sitting through a few sessions, you know, to get the handle of it. I'll just go up to the SP experts area, get a a ten minute you know bluffer's guide to the topic, and then and then I can decide if I want to sit in on some sessions for the rest of the week. I com- that's I a great idea. I completely agree with you there, there, Martin. That's what I've worked the the experts booth for the past couple of years at TechEd, and that's yeah. been one of the things a lot of people do is come up and 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 want in fifteen minutes what would normally take them three or four sessions to get some of the same basic information. And in addition, like you said, they get to interact with MVPs, but they also get to sit there and actually ask questions to the people that are actually building this product that they want to know more about. And I know the product group get a lot out of it as well in terms of, you know, when they hear the same comment or question come back from the customer, you know, five or six times in a week, they really start to think, hang on, you know, we we missed something here or, and they don't always say it, but they will go away and take some feedback away. And then, you know, two years later, you find it in the product. So yeah, it's good stuff. What have you been up to, Mickey? Oh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I just found out, actually, as we were recording last weeks of the week before's podcast, I got an email letting me know that I had been selected as a speaker at TechEd this year, which wow. is just, I am I am just overwhelmed at this point. So I'll Congratulations. Be speaking on, thank you. I'll be speaking on web testing and team system. So that's going to be kind of my, my focus for the next couple of months as I try to, you know, desperately put together a great presentation. So, you know, I'd love for... If anyone has any thoughts on web testing, what they'd like to see or not see, or any stories they want to share on web testing, shoot us an email at radiotfs at gmail.com, and then I'll end up probably borrowing it and incorporating it into, into my presentation. But I'm so excited because they, they give you they give you some some training to help you understand how to speak better, and then just the ability to get up on stage in front of my peers and, and be able to talk about something is just going to, it's going to be a totally different experience at TechEd this year. Yeah. Because you do a lot That's of training, awesome, Mickey. You? I do a decent amount of, tr- of training, so I'm used to, to crowds, and I do speaking. So that's you know I'm used to it from that standpoint. But the the just the magnitude of of TechEd. Now at least it won't be quite necessarily as many people because you know this year they split TechEd into two into two conferences: the Developer Conference and the IT Pro Conference. So whereas before TechEd was you know fifteen thousand people, now each one's probably going to be seven or eight thousand. But anyway, it's still a lot of people, and I'm still hoping for a big crowd at my at my session. I don't know what day it's on yet, but they'll have that posted soon enough, I hope. Great. 
Well, I've um, what have I got? I've got the um, I'm helping out with local launches as well, like yourself, Paul. So I'm I'm doing the uh, Irish launch on uh, March. Uh, March the eleventh in um, down in Dublin there. So um, if anyone, there's still some places available. If anyone's inter- interested, if you go to shrinkster.com/vk6, you can sign up uh, for. There's one session left. What a lot of people don't realise of these launch events is um, quite often Microsoft, you know, give you a little goodie bag um, to the people who have attended these launch events, and you can walk away with a few thousand dollars you know worth of uh, software so we're definitely worth attending one and sitting through people like me talking and then um i just wanted to give a quick plug if that's all right guys as well for um there's a uh, in the uk we have um developer 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 events and they, you know um so uh and they're coming to ireland um which is great in uh may at the beginning of may so if you go to if you're in Ireland and you happen to be listening to this podcast, if you go to www.ddisland.com and you can find out more, it should be a, probably should be a good event. They're a bit like a code camp type event, you know. It's on a Saturday. It's all real people talking, not Microsoft people, that sort of thing. It should be should be really good. And the, the speakers have got lined up. We've got Mike Azakar coming over, you know, a friend of a show, and um, a few. Yeah, how range that. <laughs> yeah, I saw yeah. that a couple of weeks ago, and I double checked it. I says, "Is this right? Is Azakar going over to Ireland?" And yeah, oh, man, that's cool. So he's coming over for a drinking, stroke, talking tour, and then, um, but we've got you know some of the other, some of the great speakers that we you would pay thousands of pounds to go and see them, or thousands of dollars or whatever euros to go and see them at Techhead and things like that, and they're all coming over to a free event, so it should be good. So power tools. Somebody take the what exactly. What exactly is a power tool for those listeners out there that that are listening that may not have that much experience with them or have heard the term before? Um, I can I can take a little bit of that. Um, and, and Martin can if you feel like jumping in, go ahead. I uh, the power tools are basically a free additional functionality to enhance the experience, uh, the user experience with either uh, Visual Studio Team System or with Team Foundation Server itself. In this case, they're the Team Foundation Server power tools. Uh, but they do uh, have some tools in there that enhance the user experience from the um, one of the addition points of view, from the client point of view. Um, and like I say, they're free. Um, they're free tools that you can download and install, and they offer some command line utilities and then some GUI based utilities, which we'll talk to today. So the um, the website for the power tools is at shrinkster.com/vk0. That's Victor Kilo zero. And yeah, like like Paul says, um, the free add-ons and quite often it's stuff that the team, you know, really wanted to get into the product before it went out the door, but um, couldn't for one reason or another, normally scheduling. And so they, um, you know, see if they can try and slip it in as a as a power tool, just so that people can use this functionality. In, and uh, and then quite often, um, was it the, it was annotate that's and treediff they both appeared um they're now in the you know the proper 2008 version of visual studio but back in they appeared as as team foundation server 2005 power tools back in the day so 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 in your to your knowledge i mean are power tools officially supported by microsoft you know you have some companies that don't want to use things items that aren't you know officially supported by a vendor that kind of thing so for people that have that kind of issue should they look at the power tools? Are they going to be able to use them? What's the story there? As far as I know, that there is support available through the forums. And um, let me think. I'm not, I don't know. Can they call product support? 
But, right, okay, but, here I'm right on the forum right now. For there's a forum, an MSDN forum post. So if you go in, out there and you you um, do a search for MSDN forums, you'll find a Power Tools and Add-ons Team Foundation Server uh, forum. And in the forum, uh, right in the title, it says it discusses the tools and add-ons that we release um, out of cycle or what they call um, out of band uh, from our usual product release and do not include official support from Microsoft. But there's a lot of goodness in them, so if you can use them, you know, it's not like it's, they're going to, um, if if you were to do something with the power tools, it's not like they would say, oh, you've broken your TFS server, we're not going to f- help you fix it, you know what I mean? They would still definitely do that, so they're all productivity aids which would allow you to get more out of TFS, It's it, yeah. And I, I guess another point is they are tools that are created by Microsoft, it's not like you've got some, you know shadowy third person somebody out here in the middle of nowhere releasing a tool off onto an ftp server somewhere so you know there is a little bit of respectability that goes along with them because they have the microsoft name attached to them in my opinion. oh yeah yeah heck right, and, right and they do they are things that typically end up you know in the full product um like i say like annotate treat if i guess um web access is classed as a power tool is it not still yes it is yes it is so yeah. And I think we'd all agree that the web access is very it adds a lot of value to Team Foundation Server. Yeah, especially version two. If if you're if you're interested in a web interface, um, the web access that Martin's talking about is a web interface into TFS, kind of like a web web version of the uh, Team Explorer. And it's um it was uh, Microsoft um, brought it in house and, and worked on it and created a version two. And the version two is really cool. It has a lot of neat functionality over version one. So I strongly encourage anybody who's looking at a web based um, a solution to access a TFS server to um, to check that out. And that has been added to the list of potential show topics in the future. Okay, great. Oh, awesome. <laughs> hey, Mickey, what's what's your favorite power tool then, apart from apart from web access, what would be your favorite? Okay, I have to say, and we're talking about the Team Foundation Server 2008 power tools. If you're mm-hmm. using Team Foundation Server 2005, there's a set class of power tools out for it as well. But for our discussion, we're talking about 2008. And I have to say, the thing I like the most is the process template editor because there is an a a GUI for the for editing your process templates that's now integrated directly into your Visual Studio. A, a process template is basically basically to okay, let's back up. In Team Foundation Server, you have this concept of a team project. And a team project is basically the bucket that contains all your stuff. It contains your work items, your version controlled items, you know, documentation, everything. When you create a pro- a team project, it's based off of what's called a process template. And this template basically defines the structure of your team project. It defines the work items that are in it. It defines security for your version control system. It defines a variety of different things for your team project. The beauty of Team Foundation Server and this whole team project process template concept is that it's customizable. So you can customize your process template to be just what you want it to be. So you can add the work item types that you're concerned about. You can create the team project structure to make it work the way you want to develop software. The scary thing was that before this process template editor, you had to edit the process template by hand and the process template is a bunch of different xml files and the xml files could get very long it could get very complicated and if you made one wrong change it could sometimes be hard to find that so it was basically kind of like circa 1995 writing your hd complex html code by hand now 
Joel Simonuik, who is a, a team system MVP, actually created his own process template editor, which was available for download for, for a while, which formed the basis for this process template editor that's now in the Team Foundation server power tools. And the, the editor basically allows you, gives you a graphical interface into those XML files, making changes to your process template a lot easier to make in some respects. Great. So what sort of things um, can you do then? I mean, can you edit the work item forms? What, what can you do? You can, you can edit pretty much anything. You can edit global lists. So you can have global lists in your Team Foundation server. If you need to have lists of items that are on multiple work item forms, you can, mm-hmm. can create a global list. And that global list can be easily edited from this process template editor. You can edit your work items. And when I say edit your work items, you can add new fields. You can remove fields. You can add new states and transitions. It's, it actually is, it's got a nice little graphical sort of domain-specific language tool kind of interface for editing your, your states and transitions. You can modify the, the documents that get uploaded to your project portal. All, everything but the process guidance can be edited from this process template editor. So that's great, Mickey. What about you, Paul? What, what, what's your favorite Power Tools? Um, you know, I, I like the work item templates. Um, those really, uh, you know, I find I find very useful. The other one I like is the best practices analyzer. Uh, and so I'll talk to both of those. I'll pick the best practices analyzer first. Um, uh, the best practice analyzer for those of you who have maybe seen it out there before. Um, there's um SQL Server has one, and there's some other ones uh, applications that have their best practice analyzer. What it does is it looks at um, the, the Team Foundation Server Best Practice Analyzer does two things. One, you can look and get a report of your system pre-install. And I must say that with the Best Practice Analyzer, you can use it with 2008 or with 2005. So when you when you go and you launch the, the Best Practice Analyzer, which is actually available in the Program Files uh, Team Foundation Server Power Tools directory, that's how you'll get to it, um, when you launch the the best practice analyzer and you want to do a, you basically scan your system, you can do, um, if you haven't installed TFS, you can do a pre-install on either 2005 um, or 2008. And what it does is it looks at your system and says, do I have all the prerequisites? So when I do go to do the install, it should be a very smooth process. Oh, cool. Yeah, it is really cool, and especially for 2005 because of the up. Because as you know, the install experience with 2005 was so much different than 2008. In 2008, that install experience got so much easier, um, where you didn't have these hot fixes and this other stuff, and you had to go get WSS to to install mm. for you know 2005 and all that. Um, he, so the so, but but at least you can look and see: Am I ready to do the install? Once you've done an install, like um, I was in an organization where they had already installed the tool and asked me to come in and then check out their systems, the best practice analyzer then is good to run a scan against a pre-installed instance of Team Foundation Server. And just to kind of show you how this thing works, it'll... um, It'll go out and it'll look at like your SQL server. It'll look at your SharePoint site that gets created. It'll look at connection strings and permissions and, and a whole slew of things. Um, your, your, um, app pools, um, and things like that. So, I mean, it looks at all different areas. It's very invasive in terms of all the p- places that the team foundation server install touches. And so basically it'll look at all of them and it'll give you back a report. Now, um, on a good install, you shouldn't get anything back really. You might get back the processor warning saying you don't have enough processing power even though you do. 
um, things like that. But for the most part, you should get back a nice, clean report. Um, when I ran it, I had actually done an install on my training um, image um, of Team Foundation Server 2008. Well, uh, it had expired somewhere between my last training and uh, when I went to go and set up for a user group talk I was going to have. And I ran the tool and it came back with, I mean, it must have been 40 different errors. Some of them were, mm. I mean, it gives you little warnings, like a warning or actually a critical on the red X. Um, and, and I had all these warnings and criticals. I couldn't figure out what was going on. And what it came down to was that my team foundation server had expired. And so it gave me back all these these crazy messages. But, but it at least directed me to say, hey, something's going on with your system. And it was really neat, the information. And in each one of the links that you get back, uh, in your report, you can click into it and it'll actually take you into the help menu. It says, here's how you can go about to resolve this issue. And it takes you into the help menu and I click through a bunch of them and they all were actually pretty good in terms of what the information it gave me on how to fix that error. So it let me know what do I need to look at and then what, how do I, the steps I need to go about to fix it. So, um, all in all, I found it to be a very useful tool. I'm, I'm really happy with it. Um, you're talking there about expiries, um, Paul. I just um just shrinkstrize a quick link that people might find useful, which is um shrinkster.com slash VKF, Victor Kilo Foxtrot. That's the link to um Brian Harry, um his famous tool which is checks your TFS version and, and you know checks when when it's going to expire. So if you've installed a trial version, uh, which a lot of people do, you know, and then they've had it running for ninety days and they forget you know that they haven't bought it yet this will tell you when it's going to run out but it's also um it'll give you an extra if you're 10 days within within expiring it'll give you the option to actually extend your trial for another 30 days which is quite neat so uh that's awesome thanks martin yeah and, and the other tool i have is the um the work item templates work item templates are basically a way for for you to create a work item with a lot of the fields pre-filled out so, for example, if you have a specific work item that you want to always um, have at a specific iteration in a specific area assigned to a specific user other than the, what the, the, the default template would, the template would assign it to, um, you can set up all those, that information into what they call a work item template and you can save it. Then you have the ability from in the team menu to go in and say, um, create a new work item from a template and you can select a template. You can select one as your default template so that when you go in through the menu, you can say, Hey, select this work, you know, um, create a work item from the default template. And instead of showing you a list of, of work item templates, you can choose. It just creates that def the one you marked as a default. So I found those to be really neat because you can also do bulk editing of your work items. So, you know, you have the Excel um, integration, and that's great mm -hmm. for doing bulk editing. But you can also now, right from within the IDE, select a group of, say, say you run the all work items query. You get back your list of work items. You can select a group of those work items, and you can then go into the team menu and say apply template. And so that's good, for example, if say you want to transition all a group of work items to a specific iteration or um, when you create um, a project, for example, with, with the, either the CMMI or the Agile template, you get a list of default work items that get generated if you haven't changed it. They'll generate this list of, what, 15 or so work items. Well, mm -hmm. maybe not all of those work items belong in iteration zero. Maybe you, maybe the setup ones will go in iteration zero, but the rest need to go to iteration one. You can use the work item template and have it predefined to just have one field change. That's the, the, the iteration. Then you can select all those, those work items that you, um, want to transition to, to uh, iteration one. 
highlight them all, go into the team menu and select apply template and then choose what I would call my iteration changer template and, and change the iterations and then I just save them all and it allows me to do bulk mm. editing right within the IDE. That's really cool. I, I never would have thought of that way of using it at all. That's yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool tool. I went through, it's neat because I just, um, did a user group, um, on the power tools last Wednesday. So they're real fresh in my mind, but that's one that we really spent a lot of time on because it garnered the greatest amount of interest was, wow, that's a really cool functionality. And I personally never thought about it that way. You know, I thought, Mm. yeah, this is kind of cool, but people in my group seem to think that this thing was just like the best thing since sliced bread. It was great. So yeah, I've always been quite skeptical about that particular tool, but I think I might give it a try now. Actually. Yeah. We're talking about, you know, those, um, the work items that are created when you create a new team project. Uh, I've had a few times, you know, where you've created those and they're actually really just don't apply at all to this particular team project. And I could use Mickey's tip and edit my process templates so that those didn't get created when I created that team project. But, um, one of the power tools I've used a couple of times recently, especially with demo, uh, TFS instances was, uh, the, the work item destroy command line. You guys heard about that? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, again, I just demoed all those, so yeah. Oh, yeah. That was cool. it was great. Yeah. It's just for um, the audiences in 2008. Generally, they've um, added the ability uh, to be able to destroy stuff. We talked about it um, last week. Uh, we talked about you know the ability to be able to destroy things from version control. I think, um, and the power tool gives you the ability to destroy work items, which is quite cool. So rather than marking them as closed, which is typically what you want to do, because uh, you want to maintain the audit trail you know, of this particular work item, if you're an administrator, then you now have the ability to make it as if that work item never existed. Um, so, you know, the ID just disappears, and yep, that's great. So uh, that's been very handy for me in tidying up those tasks that got created for me at the beginning. Another power tool I use every day is the... Uh, you know, the 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 build the build notification little tool the thing that pop, it sits in your notification area down in the bottom corner of your screen there and then um, we have you know continuous integration switched on and uh, you can see instantly um, if if a check in you've checked in has say broken the build or has you've had a good build that sort of thing it it pops up a little a little bit of toast there down in the bottom corner of your screen a bit like an outlook notification and it just says you know such and such a build has passed or failed and it's great it works good if, if people are familiar with um, cruise control it, it's a bit like uh, the cc tray application in cruise control world apart from it's um you know doesn't use as much memory and it, it's quite quite well behaved so that was going to be a question I was going to ask you: is if if it, if it was well behaved. I'm I'm always leery about installing thing any more things that pop up in my lower right hand corner. So, and I've not used the build notification tool yet. So I was going to ask if you if it, if overall if your experience with it was okay, and if you if it was a memory hog or anything like that. Let me just, I've got it, I've had it running all day today, so I'll just go and have a look and see how much memory it's running. It's using about eight k currently, so. That's okay. Uh, that's not bad memory-wise. Um, in terms of behavior, the um, the original version, so this was available on um, Book Hodge's blog originally before it became a power tool. And um, the original version, that, that um, had, on Vista, it had a bit of strange behavior where it w- would actually stop your machine from shutting down. That was that was a bit annoying. Uh, you had to exit it first and then shut Vista down. But no, it, it, it's... Um, it's fine now. By default, it tries to, um, inst- you know, it puts itself in the in the run part of the registry. So when you start Windows up, it'll 
it'll inst- it'll start itself up again automatically, which some people like. But I really have an aversion to things running in my, you know, I want to start them. <laughs> exactly. It's very rare that I restart Vista, but when I do, when I re- when I do restart Vista, rather than just putting it to sleep, I um I want to, you know, actually start the programs up that I want to start. So if you want to if you want to quit the notification tool, you just right click on it and do exit. Um, and it gives you a little prompt. You select the bottom of those two, and then it, it'll properly exit and won't start up again the next time you restart Windows. So uh, yeah, it's good. But there's a there's a bunch of other stuff in the Power Tools um, around source control. Some of the you know you know the um, sidekicks from Matrice, uh, the TFS sidekicks. Yes, I love yes. them. <clears throat> they're fantastic. I think we all I think and for 2005 definitely as well. And they're, but they're also very good for 2008. I use the Workspace sidekick quite a lot. Well, uh, Microsoft have obviously been, you know, watching and and uh, seeing what people find useful because they added a they added some finding source control uh, functionality in 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 Visual Studio now in the with the Power Tools installed, and that lets you you know find um, files with a certain name, those sorts of things. So uh, files that are all checked out by kind of show me the files checked out by Mickey, those sorts of things like that. And these are common things which people, you know, you see on the forums, people asking how to do this all the time. And in old world, you either use the TFS sidekicks from Atrice, um, which are at shrinkter.com slash VK4, or, or you use the TFS command line. Well, now you can do it from the GUI with the power tools installed. But I would still go in and install those sidekicks from Atrice because there's lots of other functionality in there that's very useful. Yeah, the power I, tools I, are, are from Atrice are really nice. Those, um, the, you know, there's a few in there that I like to use quite a bit. And actually, um, the folks um, did a write-up in TFS Times this month. So if anybody's interested oh, in reading about those, um, because actually this month we focused on the power tools. We actually we focused on third-party tools with the TFS Times this month. So but it just happened to me that some people had sent back um, some uh, articles um, regarding the, the Atrice tools and then again the power tools themselves and then some other third-party tools that are available. But yeah, I just published it out today, so um, tfstimes.com to get the March edition. Fantastic. Are there any other power tools that people want to give a, a mention to? Some of, one of the power tools options that I've looked at from that you use in the command line is there's a rollback command that you can actually use to, to roll back um, entire change sets. So it, it makes it really easy to, if you've, if you've checked some code in or, or done a couple of change sets and then you need to actually roll back the entire change set, it makes it really easy to say, okay, roll this whole change set back as opposed to having to go find each individual file and, and right-click and, and, and download the previous version and then check it in, that kind of thing. So the whole so, rollback options are a lot easier. So when it says rollback, does it, does it create a new pending change for, you know, for you for yes. all those things and you yes. actually check it in? Or do you have to, or does it check it in for you as well? I, if I remember correctly, I, don't, I haven't done it in a couple of weeks, but if I remember correctly, it creates a, a pending change for you. So oh, you roll great. It, roll back, it creates a pending change, and you can make sure that's what you want to do, and then check it in, and there you go. So, so if you wanted to, you could run that command in a Visual Studio command prompt, and then you could like hit refresh in the pending changes view in Visual Studio, and see the changes in Visual Studio, and go look at them just to make sure before you do the check-in. Exactly. Um, I, I, They have the new check-in policy pack that comes as part of the power tools. Uh, mm-hmm. And... Oh, 
for for those that aren't familiar, check-in policies are policies you set so when when developers are working or people are checking code into or files mm-hmm. into source control, they can be evaluated or validated against these client-side uh, policies that you have put up. So by default, there's a few that come with Team Foundation Server. One that really I always set up is the work items one, which says you need to associate a work item with a given check-in. What I also like is there's one now called the work item query, and and, and also there's another, there's a few of them, but the other one is the forbidden patterns. The work item query says that when I'm about to check this code in, I need to check it in um, uh, associated with a work item that exists in a particular query. Not just that it exists, um, which is uh, kind of neat because if you have um, the query set up to like, oh, these are these are tester queries, um, then it, when a tester's maybe you know going through and working or a developers working on something that's a bug, they can check it in and that that, that they can say that that work item has to exist in this given you know this given query set within like all active bugs or something like that. The other one is the, like I said, the forbidden patterns, which is really nice because one of the issues I had with clients in 2005 is that they um, they noticed that their the folks were checking in like binaries, like image files, pings, JPEGs, things like that, um, and uh, they decided, or even DLLs, they didn't want any of these um, binary type or image type files being checked in to source control because they were taking up a lot of space. So what the forbidden patterns does is it's like a regular expression that gets run um, against the check-in to see does the, is there uh, any files that match this pattern, and if so, will uh, invalidate the check-in until they um, uncheck those files uh, from the ch- from the pending changes window before they do another check in. Uh, so those so are two can, that I you like. Can, you could stop them checking in, you know, like the the bin folder from the solution, that sort of thing. Correct, correct, because that's kind of what was happening. Is you had folks checking that in, and they didn't want the bin yeah. folder checked in. Yeah, you don't because so, you want that to be built every time. You just want the source checked in. Right, exactly, exactly. So that that yeah. I thought was kind of cool. Have anybody else any power tools you want to mention before? I think we've got some we've got some uh, mail this week, haven't we, Mickey? Yep, well, we've got a couple of, of couple couple letters we'll need to answer. I think that we've covered probably a good bit of the power tools. I do still want to redirect everyone back to that to Brian Harry's or not Brian Harry's blog, but there's we've got a Shrinkster link to the power tools that gives a good description of every option that's in there. What's that Shrinkster link again, Martin? Because you're much better at at, at Shrinkster.com. Letters, yeah, Shrinkster.com slash VK zero. That's uh, Victor Kilo zero. I used to work for British Airways, you see, so uh, we used to have to say everything in uh, in alpha, you know, in nematic, right. whatever you call it, that kind of alphabet. Papa, I, what, I used to I used to know it because I'm a, I'm a I'm a former ham radio operator, but now that we have cell phones everywhere, ham radios have kind of gone by the wayside. Little tidbit about Mickey there. Hey, by the way, before we kind of get into the mailbag, I want to extend another congratulations out here to Mickey, um, who I was reading. I read Mickey's blog on a regular basis along with a lot of other people's. And Mickey was nominated as an MVP in the community credit world. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And that's I, w- I recommend everybody go out to community-credit.com. That's a site that's run by David Silverlight. And it is basically he gives away stupid prizes to smart people. And it, you can track all your contributions, whether it's, you know, answering questions at a forum, blogging, writing books, whatever. And every month he takes the top 15 people and he sends them what he calls stupid prizes. Now, these could be anywhere from little Japanese tchotchkes 
to last month he gave out a USB podcasting kit. So wow. there's a, there's a there's a lot of you know it's fun. It, it's a good way to keep you interested and, and vibrant in the community. I was very honored by by David to be recognized into the Hall of Fame there, and I'm gonna try to try to you know keep my output up to try to keep keep him happy because you know he he added me that list and it's kind of exciting to do that but thank you for the for the recognition paul that's awesome yeah well um i do have a question here i'd like to ask um if if we're ready to go into the mailbag and that is um um murad from jordan asks you didn't mention anything about the tfs 2008 proxy which i found in the tfs 2008 installation dvd do you have any idea what the TFS 2008 proxy is, where I use it, and how? And Martin, if you'd like to answer that. The, um, the TFS proxy is um, a bit of software that, that sits in your remote office. Uh, so if you've got a bunch of, you know, bunch of people at a remote office, they're connected over a, a, a DSL link or a, you know, low, a low bandwidth link to the main office. Um, but there's say 10 guys out there, you know, and they, they've got a gigabit network locally or something crazy like that. Um, when, when they make a request to Team Foundation server, the Team Foundation server, you know, is back in their main office. And um, that, that tells them what the latest version of a particular file is. You know, foobar.txt, whatever, is at version 21. So the Visual Studio or your Team Foundation client then goes to download that file. And um, you can configure it to download it from a, a, a proxy server, a TFS proxy server. And that proxy server will actually download the file on your behalf and, and cache that file locally and then give it to you, which... Which is great. So say you come, a typical workflow is you come in in the morning, the first person in comes in, does a get latest, and, uh, you know, they, if they're remote, quite often there's a time difference between them and the other office, and they'll, you know, they'll find there's a bunch of changes come in overnight that they want to pick up. So they, they all come in and they get picked up and stored on the server, the proxy server. The second, uh, person comes in, uh, does a get latest, and all these changes now come from the local network. So they come over at gigabit speeds, you know, and, and Microsoft have done an awful lot to make sure that, um, if you've got, if you've got bandwidth, then the client really uses it. You know what I mean? It maxes out that network connection to download all the files it can. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it, it really, really improves performance. Typically, I, I've seen, uh, performance improved, you know, about, uh, say a six-fold performance improvement, you know, in terms of source files, because source files are not huge in terms of, you know, how big they are. Anyway, enough ranting about the uh, proxy server. I had another mail from um, uh, Brandy Perkins, um, and he said, Hi, I'm interested in attending a VSTS bootcamp training session, but I would like your opinion on the best one to attend. I'm located in Warner Robins, GA. What's GA? What state's that? Georgia. 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 We. Oui. So, uh, closest logic is Atlanta. However, not constrained to staying in Atlanta. Please send me a list of providers or sessions that I can investigate. So I get a few, um, you know, I get a few emails typically to this most weeks. And, um, uh, you know, I normally point them to people I know, but I thought I'd ask you guys as you're both in that area, what, what would you recommend? Well, I'll, I'll jump in here first and, Again, I, I kind of hesitate to answer this question because of being accused of partiality or impartiality, however you want to look at it, because I do work for Notion, and that's it's one of the things we do. I guess what I want to say is there are a lot of different – there are several different good companies out there that do can, can provide you with training on team system. And I think that 
we've got a Shrinkster link here at shrinkster.com slash VK3, Victor Kilo 3, that will provide you a list of some of them. All of them are, have their pluses and minuses. My biggest recommendation would be to inv investigate several different people, see what they um, provide and don't provide, see if they provide the kind of classes that you're interested in, that kind of thing. I kind of, you know, hedged the question a little bit, but I, again, I hate to to just, you know, directly answer it because of, of my involvement. What's your thoughts on the matter, Paul? Well, again, I'm like you, Mickey. I mean, there's a lot of different options, a lot of different companies out there. And, um, you know, it's kind of like um, when you hear two people speak on the same topic, you may, you know, gravitate towards one just because they give you that emotional hug you're looking for. So it's the same thing with these companies is, you know, I, I would follow what your, your advice is. Go out and in investigate them. Give them a phone call. Talk to them about your needs. See if they're giving you that warm, fuzzy feeling that you feel you should receive from a, a partner. And, and if so, then, you know, maybe they're the option for you. I would imagine that um, every single one of the people on that list is is qualified to to deliver some excellent training and so i don't want to say one's better than the other um by any means um again mickey you work for a company that does that i work for a company that does that you know so there's a lot of different options out there you know investigate all your options and see see what works for you and again if you need still need help you know email us back at uh radio tfs at gmail.com you know if if you want to uh you know get some further clarification on that so, I, I mean, I would say, you know, from somebody who, who doesn't work for a training company <laughs> and so is probably a bit more impartial on that, I mean, I would obviously uh, recommend both of yourselves. But everyone on that list, that's shrinkster.com slash VK3, Victor Kilo number three, they're all, they've all got people in the companies that are, you know, team system specialists that we, that, we, that we all three of us know very well in the team system community. You know, we see them on the forums. We, we talk to them at team system events and things. And the quality of training you're going to get from every one of those companies on team system is, um, you know, by, by far and away above the generic team system training from some instructor that has never used the tool before. These are all people that, are, you know, use the tool and quite familiar with them. So and then I think the things that you that you mentioned guys come into play where you know, which which trainings company do i like the best which people seem to you know understand me the best and be giving me the most attention but they're all they're all good people on that list i think you will all agree yeah i, I would agree like with that and i'd like to point out that if you'd like to get your question read on radio tfs just email us at radio tfs at gmail.com so we mentioned the website as well so that's uh, www.radiotfs.com and uh, from there, you can click on the RSS link, uh, or you can subscribe directly by going to feeds.feedburner.com slash radio TFS. And of course, there's uh, your Facebook group as well, Mickey, if you're yes. you, you hit with the kids and all that. Radio TFS is the name of the Facebook group. We've got six people in it so far. So I mm -hmm. would love to see that number doubled by the time we do the next podcast. So, uh, yeah, has anybody got anything they'd like to say before we wrap up? Go if you've not downloaded the power tools. Go download the power tools and, and give them a whirl because I guarantee you're going to find something there that you like. Okay, well, guys, it's been great speaking to you again, Martin. It's a pleasure, you, Mickey. Martin. A pleasure. Speak to you next time on Radio TFS. <laughs>